Matthew 6, 16-24 And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, and their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received the reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Another great day in the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm joined by another great man, Greg (laughs) Conley. Um, the, the veteran, the man of the Capitol buildings across the Southeast, um, Greg, thank you, uh, for, for reading this. And so as, as we're continuing through the Sermon on the Mount, uh, this passage on fasting, uh, if you've been going through with us, it it sounds really familiar, uh, to the passage at the beginning of Matthew six on giving to the needy, um, which is how, where Jesus, he frames, uh, sort of his instructions here, uh, by contrasting it to the performative religious duties mm-hmm. of, you know, the, these hypocrites in synagogues and in the streets who, you know, they they sound a trumpet when they give to the poor. And then when they're fasting, uh, I love Jesus' description, you know, they disfigure their faces. They walk around like groaning and, oh, I'm so hungry because I'm fasting because I'm so faithful to Yahweh. And he's saying, don't do that. But instead, there's like this this quiet resilience that he's instructing his people towards. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that is just like a big alley-oop to this really um, important landmark text, uh, 19 through 24, which is this idea of laying up treasures in heaven rather than treasures on earth. So as we look at these two kind of sections, one on fasting and then one on treasures in heaven, um, what do you see going on here? What connections between the two do you see and the rest of the Sermon on the Mount? I mean, this is the, honestly, as I was reading this, I was like, it's like, this is way too many, too, way too big of a chunk of the Sermon on the Mount to go over in such a short period of time. I feel like every sentence mm. is just so rich yeah, uh, with meaning. Um, I think that, you know, I think that the first thing I think of when I think of the fasting passage, when I read it, is really kind of the performative thing and kind of getting to the heart of the matter. Jesus isn't just talking about um, not being performative, but he's really saying, like, why are you doing the thing that you're doing? Um, and it's, it's I think it's important to point out that, like, fasting is something that is discussed in Scripture, mm-hmm. right? It's not it's not something that, uh, it is it is a useful spiritual discipline today, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. But that, you know, fasting um, is about your reliance, your complete and total reliance on God. Absolutely. And so, um, you know, trying to, it's, it's almost like Jesus is essentially saying, keep the main thing, the main thing. Mm-hmm. The reason you're, the reason you're fasting, the reason you're denying yourself food is to, uh, to, to 
discipline yourself to rely totally on God and admit that it is he that we rely on for every bit of sustenance. Mm-hmm. And in that you grow, mm-hmm. right? You you grow as a Christian. If you've never fasted, uh, I I would highly suggest you you try the discipline. I, you know, used to be Christian practice. I believe that every Wednesday was a day that Christians fasted mm. and it, you will grow closer to the Lord. It's amazing. It is. Um, and I think that, you know, Jesus is sort of warning people like, you know, it's easy for, for good things to become rote things and things that we just do because we're supposed to do them. And we kind of forget that what we're really trying to do is glorify God and come to know him more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the same is true of, I mean, I think that's what he's saying when he says like the difference between laying up treasures on earth and treasures in heaven. And, you know, um, Thomas talked last night at, uh, on Tuesday night about, um, you know, the invisible and the visible world, right. That there's things unseen, right. Um, treasures you're building up, up for yourself in heaven. Those are things you can't see in this world. And, you know, spending time disciplining yourself to come closer to God, that's building up for yourself treasures in heaven, right? Mm-hmm. Fasting so that like the people around you who are religious can see what a cool guy you are and how devoted you are does not build up treasures for you in heaven. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, I guess in the sense of pride and glory, it builds up treasures for you on earth. But it's it's I think it's a really like a linked follow-on warning um, that ultimately, you know, the, the things you're going to do for God are not necessarily going to be great in the eyes of men. But if you're living for the eye of your father alone, that's not really going to bother you. Absolutely. You know, I, I think there's a couple of things that come to mind with this fasting section. Um, one is that I think you're totally right. It's, it's something that, I mean, I, I was actually convicted of this like within the past week. Um, I used to in college, like be a lot better about it. And I actually had some other friends who were pretty good about it in college. Um, and, and you know, college is like, you're a little more fast and loose and like your life is a little more like chill, I guess, in some ways. And so it's kind of easier, but nowadays I can live with this mindset of like, when would I do that? Like I'm busy, like, you know, I'm recording ODR, I'm doing whatever. I can't be Mm -hmm. starving. Like, and so the busyness and like self-importance that I can feel actually gets in the way of this discipline that ironically is supposed to, you know, be this reminder of my utter dependence on God Mm -hmm. and this hunger that, that points my heart and my mind and my focus towards him. Um, I think we can wrongly practice fasting as this like arm twist that we try to pull on God where it's like, we really want something, you know, and it could be a really good thing. Like somebody's healing or it could just be like a new job or something. And so we fast about it Mm -hmm. and we can approach it with this mentality of like, well, God, don't forget that I'm fasting today. And I've prayed for this like 12 times a day. And that's not the point. You know, it's mm-hmm. not supposed to be this trump card we lay on the table in front of God and say like, I want this and I'm going to fast for mm-hmm. it. Yeah. But rather it's supposed to be this thing that draws us deeper into this loving communion with God. And uh, and I think that that's exactly what Jesus is commending us towards. And uh, to that end, that kind of fuels this like resilience, you know, and this like anoint your head. Mm-hmm. wash your face, go about with your day as normal, you know, not because you're in this like dramatic, you know, pity partying state before God and before others, but rather like your hunger is pointing you towards the bread of life and the source of all strength. And so, you know, 
like I'm, I'm literally talking to myself right now. It's like, you can go about your day. You can do the things that you need to do with the strength that God supplies Mm -hmm. and, you know, while fasting. And so I'm very convicted by that. The other thing that comes to mind with this is, you know, this same principle applies to other practices. And so, you know, I think a lot of us might read this and think, well, I don't really fast that much, which I probably should, but I don't. So I don't really struggle with like, you know, going around like the hypocrites looking gloomy and disfigured. But I think like that heart can work its way into all the different sort of duties that we do as Christians, whether it's like, you know, making disciples, leading a small group or or serving in our church or giving or whatever. Um, We we can pick up all these like virtue signally uh, things that we do where, you know, we just are, we constantly get how busy we are because we're, you know, doing all this stuff for the church and for our job. You know, we, we kind of build these narratives into just the conversations we have with friends at church and Mm -hmm. uh, the way we talk to family that really is doing the same thing. It's, it's uh, forsaking this like dignified, resilient, strong uh, heart of worship that Jesus is commending here. And it's instead going to this, like, you know, we're, we're burdening ourselves. We're weighing ourselves down with the suffering that we're brave enough to take on for God. And I think that leads us straight into this treasures in heaven versus mm-hmm. treasures on earth mentality that Jesus goes directly into because he's saying that heart is one that is laying up treasures on earth. And, you know, he, he says uh, in regards to those hypocrites, he says, they have received their reward. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's interesting. He, he's saying there is kind of a reward for, you know, being this like outwardly pious and, and, you know, whatever kind of person you might get the praise of men and you might actually get some good social standing because of that. But that's where the buck stops. You know, mm-hmm. that that's the, the end of the train line is just like some pity applause. <laughs> but... I actually have something better to offer you. Right. Treasures in heaven that can't be destroyed. They can't be taken away from you. They can't be marred. Um, And at the end of the day, you have to choose one or the other. So what are your thoughts on kind of this closing passage on these, these treasures in heaven that he's pointing us towards? I mean, I think like, I don't, I honestly think about, um, you know, the, uh, the, one of the sweetest times I ever had um, spiritually was a time of fasting. Um, when I, and I didn't, I didn't like, no, I wasn't like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go store from some treasures in heaven for myself. You know, it was like, yeah. but I, I was supposed to teach a, like a college ministry class or something. And so I was like trying to, I'd never taught anything before I was a relatively young Christian. And so I decided to go fast for a weekend, uh, and like isolate myself and just read, I just read the book of John. Cause that's what I was going to be, mm. uh, teaching through. And so I fasted for two days and read the book, of John, and it was one of the greatest one of just one of the greatest weekends of my life just in the sense of like the intimacy mm. with the father and the just the the you, you you're literally replacing bread mm. with the bread of life you're literally replacing food with his word yeah and to me i was like the treasure of me in heaven was just this new this intimacy with god yeah. um and I, so i think that i mean i to me i think they're directly tied together yeah um and and i think that you know as he continues into you know, the following verses about, um, 
you know, about not loving, not serving two masters and things like that. It, it continues with the same theme, right? Mm, yeah. The idea being that you, like, you can't, right? You, you can't do both, right? If what you want is you want people to love you and you want lots of earthly stuff, right? That's the direction you're going to go. Mm-hmm. If what you want is you want the eye of your father, you want the delight of your father, then the earthly stuff may come, but it's not going to matter to you because mm-hmm. the only thing you're concerned about um, and it's really, once again, he's kind of coming back to this theme of why are you doing the things that you're doing? Don't just do the things that you're doing. I think you're right. The way we talk about it in church, the way we do mm. things in church. I mean, you can all become, if you've been going to church long enough, you can stand in most church services and you can probably sing every hymn without really thinking about the words that you're saying, right? Absolutely. Because you can just kind of roll on through it, right? You've heard this a thousand times. Um, and so to me, it just, it really... It really drives home the point that you need to be intentional about preparing yourself for things like worship, preparing yourself for things like reading your Bible for your prayer. You know, you, you don't just like kind of, you know, get it done, but you you really think about structuring your life around the things of the Father, around the things of God. Uh, and that looks different for everybody. But I think that um, to me, that's, I mean, he's talking about laying that foundation that everything circles around the things of God. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, it, it's so convicting to me how uh, he lands this in, in a very clear binary mm-hmm. position. No one can serve two masters. He he will either hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And, uh, you know, one of the realizations where uh, this is going out in January, but we're recording this uh, kind of in mid-December, uh, and as I've been reflecting over the past year, one of the biggest realizations that I made this year um, was that I've always considered myself not a materialistic person mm-hmm. because like I don't, you know, like I love my Toyota. I don't really want to drive like a super nice car. I don't like want to live in like a massive mansion one day, um, sort of like the Hallmark, like materialistic vein, like whatever. Um, and so I've always been like, oh yeah, like I'm not, I, I don't like love money. Like I don't really have the love of money. I like having nice things, but like, I don't like, you know, I'm not married to the hustle just to mm-hmm. get a dime or whatever. But one of the things that the Lord has really like surfaced in my heart this year is, uh, I actually am a lot more materialistic than I care to admit. Mm-hmm. And then I care to consider myself. Um, I, I actually find a lot more security in uh, my my feeling of financial, you know, plenty and the ability to buy things that I want mm-hmm. and have things that I like. I actually find a lot more identity in that and a lot more comfort in that than I care to admit. And it, it, it's convicting because. It's not just like, oh, that that's something that, you know, I kind of need to like sand down. It's like, no, that's a part of my heart that is like just absolutely opposed to the rule of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what Jesus is saying here is like that. That is me like, you know, kind of going to work for another master and, and uh, putting myself in, in labor for the opposite side. And what it's really going to do is create anxiety in me and what it has done is it'll it, it'll create anxiety in mm-hmm. me. It'll create worry. It'll create greed. Right. It'll make me not want to be generous. It'll make me not want to be charitable. Um, and so it's, it's something where we have to be really gut level with ourselves. 
And what Jesus is saying is that that fills the heart and the whole body with darkness. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's not freeing, you know, it's not like liberating to actually go live my best life and put that first. It's actually going to uh, leave me empty handed because those things can be destroyed and taken away. Uh, and it's actually going to make me really anxious and fearful all the time. So it's a, it's just a, a good reminder. And tomorrow, you know, is, is the really famous passage on anxiety and mm-hmm. the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. Um, and so he's really going to like stick a landing with this theme uh, tomorrow. But it's just a, this good call to, to live this like quiet, simple life of faith um, where we're so fueled by the riches of heaven that, you know, we're not, we're not living in fear. We're not living in performance and drama mm-hmm. uh, to, to gain the riches of earth. So any other thoughts, Greg? No, I mean, I think you, I think you summed it up. I would say one final parting thought would be, um, he says, you cannot serve God in money. And I would say that, you know, the, there is a historical Christian tradition of rejecting some physical things that can lead to an unhealthy self-righteousness or pride. Mm. And so it's really about focusing on God and not focusing on like, say for instance, a rejection of money is something that can make you, you know, you're like, well, look, I'm not serving money. It Mm -hmm. doesn't matter to me. It kind of puffs you up. And that is a subtle danger to the Christian. Absolutely. Um, And that's something just as a parting thought to, to keep in mind that, that ultimately it's about turning your eyes to the father. Yeah. Amen. A great word from a great man, the great (laughs) Greg Conley. Uh, This is Will Carlisle, and uh, for Greg Conley, we will see you tomorrow on our Daily Rhythm. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for Our Daily Rhythm.